Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, friends, it's Stewardship Sunday, and that means I'm supposed to talk about money. Now, I know, I know stewardship is far more than just money. It encompasses the faithful use of all of our resources, our, our time, our energy, our listening ear, our welcoming smile. It's all of that. <laughs> but this Sunday, we're talking about pledge cards, pipe organs, gluing, apparently gluing our pews back together. We're talking about keeping the lights on. We're talking about money. Now, I don't talk about money all that often from the pulpit, and it's not because the Bible doesn't have something to say about money. In fact, you might be surprised to hear that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about almost any other topic. He talked about money more than he talked about prayer, heaven, hell, forgiveness. He even talked more about money than he talked directly about love. Next to the kingdom of God, there are more teachings, sayings, and parables about money than anything else. So I've got plenty of material to work with. You see, my hesitation is that I don't think people want to hear what Jesus has to say about money and possessions. And I think that because I don't always enjoy hearing what Jesus has to say about money and possessions. He gets a little too close to home and doesn't leave a ton of room for some of the luxuries that many of us have come to expect and, and assume are normal. But as you know by now, at CUCC, we're committed to reading the whole Bible. Not just the easy stuff, not just the, the cute, cuddly, and quotable stuff. We read all of it. In fact, sometimes, sometimes we even comb through the Bible looking for the parts that most people don't like because they might be exactly what we need to hear. <laughs> and so judging by my sermon title, Fool, Tonight You Will Die, <laughs> we're in for some fun. And I've got to tell you, for those who have ears to hear, today's passage could, could really change some things. So. What I propose is that we read a, a large chunk of Luke chapter 12, which is devoted to the topic of money. I'm going to start with the easy part, and, and if you've been around the Bible for a bit, you probably recognize it, you probably have heard it read before, because, well, it's the easy part. <laughs> then I'll read the hard part. All right, we'll have some fun with it, because that's what we do with the hard parts. And then finally, we'll read the conclusion. We'll talk about our lives, our money, our world. And so we pray. We pray that God might open our hearts and minds to hear these words and that through them we might be changed. Amen. All right, let's give this a try. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, 
what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. There's more to life than food, more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silos or barn. Yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than the birds. Now who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? If you can't do such a small thing, why worry about the rest? Notice how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin clothes. But I dare, but I say to you that even Solomon, in, in all his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, how much more will God do for you, you people of weak faith? So don't chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your father knows you need them. Instead, desire his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. All right, so what do you think? Start by raise of hands. How many of you have heard this passage before? Right, have heard it read or taught on before. That's a lot of you. Guys, I, I love this passage. There is no wonder that it's been well-read and well-liked for thousands of years. It's poetic, lyrical. It's a helpful reminder to not stress about the little things, not to worry about what we're going to eat or drink or what we're going to wear. And it reminds us so gently, right? Now, minus the you people of weak faith bit. <laughs> This passage, it's loving and affirming of our ultimate value in God's eyes. All right, take the birds of the air who always seem to have enough. God values you even more than them. Take the most beautiful flowers in the world, uh, how well they're dressed and provided for. God will do even more for you. All right, let the rest of the world spin on the hamster wheel of worry. You Right, you, all you have to do is seek out God and then, then all of those things will come your way. <laughs> now, I know I might have been a little misleading at the beginning when I called this the easy part. While it is an easy read, we all know that putting an end to the many forms of worry in our life is anything but easy. In fact, at times, it might not even seem possible. And yet, oh man, the idea that we could someday get there, the idea that we could live a life without stress and worry, who wouldn't sign up for that? And you know what? I, I do think that's exactly what God wants for us. I do think that's exactly what Jesus' teachings can do for us. They can lead us into a life that is both abundant and free, right? Free from all the painful and worrisome attachments of the mind. So, so how do we get there? Let's go back to our text. Did anyone catch Jesus' first word in the passage I read today? Anyone? Uh, so in verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. 
Therefore, all right, therefore, friends, I have a cheesy and yet catchy trick to help you read the Bible more efficiently and holistically. All right, ready for it? Anytime you come across the word therefore, you got to ask yourself, what is it therefore? <laughs> Anytime you come across the word therefore, ask yourself, what is it therefore? <laughs> That's a good one, right? I've been here for nearly five years and I've been saving that nugget for such a time as this. So friends, what we have is a well-read and well-liked passage, a beautiful teaching of Jesus about not giving into a life of worry and stress. So what is it there for? Why did Jesus go there? Well, I guess we're going to have to read the section that comes right before it, the lesser-read and lesser-liked parable of the rich fool. Shall we? All right, Luke 12, starting in verse 13. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Man, who, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possession, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told him, parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He has said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all of my grain and goods. I'll say to myself, you've stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, Fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get the things you've prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. All right. Fool, tonight you will die. Hashtag things you didn't know God said. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. Raise your hand if you've heard someone read or teach on the parable of the rich fool. Yeah, right? just one or two of you. Uh, and we're not surprised, right? It's a parable about a rich man who stores up enough grain that he can retire early, eat, drink, and be merry, and only to be called a fool by God and to have his life dangling precariously in front of him. We should not be surprised that in a wildly privileged part of the world, this parable isn't read very often. And on the flip side, we should not be surprised that there are other parts of the world in which this is a beloved parable of Jesus, if you know what I'm saying. And so, what do we do with it? It's about money, and so it's a relevant passage to read on a Stewardship Sunday. And at the same time, rule number one of a successful stewardship campaign is to not call rich people fools the day before they receive their pledge cards in the mail. It's just, it's not a good idea. Some might say that would be foolish. And so this is either a really bad idea for a sermon or... 
there's more to this story than meets the eye. I guess we're about to find out. So let's start by getting the building blocks of our parable straight. In this teaching, we have one character, a certain rich man, as Jesus calls him. We're given no name. He shall simply be known by how much stuff he has. And this certain rich man has such a good year that he doesn't know what to do with all his profits. Right? He clearly doesn't need it all. In fact, he doesn't even have room for it all. So he expands his portfolio, shifts a couple things around, and makes room for his more stuff. Now, he has accumulated so much stuff that he doesn't even have to work anymore. So he, quote, takes it easy. He eats, drinks, and is merry. All right, that's, that's the rich man in our story. Now, this rich man is also a fool. And we know he's a fool because God calls him a fool. All right, listen, listen. I call you a fool? There's a pretty good chance I'm just having a bad day and I'm the one being a fool. God calls you a fool? Yeah, you're probably a fool. <laughs> All right, so far so good. In today's passage, we have a rich fool. Now, in addition, the parable also contains more personal and possessive pronouns than any other short story in the history of the written word. Okay, I haven't verified that, but in today's world, we're allowed to just make up facts as we need them. So follow, follow me, follow me. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grains and goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Yeah, the, the pronouns are the key to reading this parable. You see, I don't think Jesus uh, has issues with the big barn. I think, I think he's taking issue with the big head, the attachment of the ego, the hedonistic pursuit of self-enjoyment over all other things. Barns are okay, right? In fact, the Bible teaches the wise should work hard and store things away. Check out this saying found in Proverbs 6. And you're, you're, you're welcome to use this with any of your kids who just won't get a job or routinely sleep in. All right, starting in Proverbs 6. Go to the ant, you lazy person. Observe its ways and grow wise. The ant has no commander, officer, ruler. Even so, it stores its food in the summer and gathers its provisions at harvest. How long, lazy person, will you lie down? When will you rise from your sleep? <laughs> All right, you get the point, right? The problem isn't necessarily the barn or the stuff. The problem is the attachment to all the stuff, the clinging to all the stuff, the egocentric holding on to all the stuff for oneself. And so the parable c concludes with God saying, Fool, tonight you'll die. Now who will get all these things you prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. 
Now let's sit this sit on this for a second and pin this down a little bit further. I want to be loud and clear. The way I interpret this parable, God is not angry at the man for raising, accumulating, or or I guess being born into wealth. Right? It definitely should not be read in a way that infers God is threatening to kill him tonight. There, there is no language of sin or punishment or anything like that. God simply says stashing away that much cash for himself is foolish. He doesn't need all of it, and you never know when your time's going to come to an end. Right, maybe you've heard this one before. So a rich man dies, and after the funeral, you could hear people murmuring in the halls. I wonder how much he's left behind. And you know what the answer is, right? Yeah? All of it. All of it. Right? That's the point. A hundred percent of it is always left behind. Therefore, eh? therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. There's more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silos or barns, yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than the birds. Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? If you can't do such a small thing, why worry about the rest? Notice how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin clothes. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. God dresses the grass of the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow will be thrown into the furnace. How much more will God do for you, you people of weak faith? Don't chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your father knows you need them. Instead, desire his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. And now for the conclusion, right in Luke 12, starting in 32. So don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make for yourself wallets that don't wear out. A treasure in heaven that never runs out. No thief comes near there. No moth can destroy. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in these final verses, the conclusion, so to speak, Jesus speaks a truth that resonates as much today as it did then. Spiritual gurus and psychotherapists alike all know that, that generosity is an antidote to fear, to worry itself. When you find yourself wrapped up in fear, worry, anxiety about the future, it's often natural to turn inward, to hold on to your stuff even tighter. Uncertainty causes people to stash stuff away, to sit on their money, to tie up their resources. The problem is that it only reinforces their fear and often makes them worry even more. And so it, it should not be a surprise that around the world, fundraising efforts took a big hit during the pandemic. 
right? Uncertainty caused people to pull things back, to store things up. Basements and laundry room closets were filled to the brim by toilet paper hoarders, right? And so Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't give in to worry. It's going to be okay. The simple, ancient, and sacred truth is that our soul's health, our life's joy, our removal of stress and worry is dependent on our ability to detach ourselves from material possessions, right? Ones that won't last, that don't fulfill, that only serve to distract us from the things that really matter, right? And it's worth pointing out that in this teaching, Jesus is not begging on behalf of the poor, right? When he tells people to sell their possessions, this is not part of his stewardship campaign. Jesus is simply trying to protect people from themselves. His only concern is the condition of their heart, the condition of of their soul. Jesus wants us to be able to attach, detach from from our, our egoic pursuits so that we might be free of worry and fear and ultimately begin to enjoy the type of abundance that is achievable in God. And the deeper, the deeper into the spirit one finds themselves, the more radical the shifts in their life's priorities become. It's accelerating. It's all part of it. So if you've been seeking greater balance to life, less stress, less worry, more joy and presence, you should know that one of the greatest inhibitors of true abundance and freedom is your attachment to material possessions. It was true 2,000 years ago for the crowd following Jesus around the Palestinian countryside, and it is just as true for us today. And so here's the fun part. I encourage you to get rid of some of your stuff, some of your grain, some of your coin. Literally, give some of it away. Offer it to someone or something that has need. Advanced player mode. Do your soul a favor and don't make a big deal about it. Right? Don't take pictures of yourself giving stuff away and post it on social media. That's simply going to to feed the same same appetite of the ego. By telling the world about your generosity or your pursuit for simplicity and downsizing, you likely will miss out on some of the desired spiritual benefits. Right? Do it for your soul, not not for your followers. Friends, do your soul a favor by clinging to less stuff. Recognize the true treasures of life and lean into them. If, if deep into your heart you know that your attachment to money is strong, do something to it. It's, it's only going to get stronger and create a more worried existence. And, and I want you to know, I don't say this as the leader of an institution that wants your stuff or money. Sure, it would be nice to be able to afford to fix the front doors of the church or, or hire some support staff to lighten the load and increase our offerings. But ultimately, ultimately... I want you to know that I I say all of this as a pastor who cares about the spiritual condition of the human soul, 
I say this as one who regularly feels sucked into the very same traps and attachments. And I say this as one who, who through Jesus, knows that there is a better way to live. So family of God, let it be known. <laughs> let it be known that I don't think any of you are fools. Right? And I certainly hope that none of us die tonight. And yet I, I share with you the words of Jesus all the same. Might they resonate with your soul on a level that is deeper than thinking and understanding? Might they begin the hard work of breaking down your material attachments? And might we all find and share an even greater, truer treasure? One that not only changes us, but changes those who we connect with along our life's precious journey. Might we all have less worries? Hakuna Matata. And be well. Amen.